Hey y'all, it's Janice here, aka J Nice on the mic, and this is Dirty Diversity, a podcast on all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is called Dirty Diversity because in this day and age, diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions. The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, aka J Nice on the mic. <laughs> that was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. This is episode seven of Dirty Diversity. I'm so happy to be here with you again. It's some scary times right now, y'all. If you follow me on Instagram, you kind of know how I feel about the fear and every the mass pandemonium going on regarding COVID-19. Um, if you listened to last week's episode, I shared um, my, you know, some some of my advice on mindset, and I think it's important to prepare, but to not panic. I think that is preparation will help us all through times like this. So it's important that we prepare, but it's it's undeniable that. COVID-19 is going to affect all of us in some way or another. It might not impact your job, but if you are looking for a job, I think right now is going to be a really tough in the next upcoming month and probably for the remainder of the year, it's going to be really tough. I saw a Forbes article, which I will put in the show notes, um, talking about how it's going to be really challenging for any of you who are job seekers. Um, we, we don't know how long this whole COVID-19 is going to last. I don't, we don't know when they're going to find a cure. So I think by my prediction is that by June, things will get better. I think people will be going out more and it'll be the start of the summer. That's my hope. Um, but who knows? I think things will get better. I, you know, like I told y'all, I don't feed into the fear mindset. I think it's definitely an adjustment for everyone, but you just have to um, stay informed and also prepare. I think it's really absurd that people are buying up every single item in the store as if we're going to be all under a mandatory lockdown. I've been seeing so many people that <laughs> that I follow on Instagram, you know, constantly saying that we are going to be, what is the word? 
um, the word is martial law or the term is martial law. And I didn't really fully understand what that meant, but I keep, I've heard multiple people say that we're going to be under martial law. And I just kind of am like, <laughs> I did hear last night on the radio that Hoboken, New Jersey is under a curfew. I think for the next few weeks or so, there were some cases of COVID-19 found in Hoboken, New Jersey, and they are issuing a curfew. So what that that means is that not that people have to stay home 24-7, but that you can't be out past a certain time. And I don't know what time that is, maybe 9 or 10 p.m. Um, so it, the idea is just to kind of limit the amount of time that you are outside. But I personally can't imagine a mandatory um, sort of like home quarantine. And my friends have been sending me a lot of really interesting things. One of my close friends sent me a text message that said the bridges and tunnels in New York and New Jersey are going to be shut down. And I'm just kind of like rolling my eyes like, I don't know. I think part of the fear that we're feeling is that people are sending and sharing inaccurate information and rumors and I'm I really don't like to feed into the rumors and I I always ask my my friends or people that share these things I'm like who sent this to you do have you had a chance to verify this when I see stuff on social media or something that someone sends me I will do my own research and that's just a researcher in me as I watched a YouTube video, as you guys know or may not know, I love YouTube. I watch and consume tons of YouTube videos. I actually saw a Nigerian YouTuber and she was talking about how there have been no cases of um, people of African descent in the on the continent of Africa contracting COVID-19. Um, and she said that according to reports and I was like hmm, what reports are these so I did some research and I found that that was in fact correct and according to and this was last week when I looked this may have changed but according to the African CDC there were there have been no reported cases um and this is maybe from a couple days ago of people of African descent on the continent contracting COVID-19 so when you hear I, I'm using that as an example of like when you hear something or see something online it's important to do your research and verify that and you know this kind of wraps into diversity and inclusion because I think that um, we can spread um, stereotypes and um, racism by not doing our research. And, you know, I think we have a tendency as a culture to take a headline with social media and not do our adequate due diligence. And I'm guilty of this as well. There have been times that I've seen a headline on my um, from someone I follow on social media that kind of feeds into my confirmation bias. And it's a headline about something that occurred allegedly. And I show it to, you know, I might show it to someone. And then I find out later that that wasn't actually true. So that's made me very, very leery of things that I see online. And unless there are reputable sources that are kind of echoing the same thing. So I say all that, I kind of went on a ramble, but I say all that to say that I think it's important that we do our research always and that we don't spread misinformation because a lot of times this mi misinformation can 
lead to us prejudicing people, stereotyping people, and perpetuating racism and things of that nature. So I I understand, you know, we're all living through really stressful times. I encourage you to um, reevaluate your self-care routine. Think about what you can do to ease the stress that you're feeling. What I'm doing, I love my sleep. <laughs> and my watch monitors and measures my sleep. So I try to make sure, you know, I think on average I get about 6 hours and 45 minutes of sleep per per week or per night. And I'm trying to up that number to like seven, seven and a half, because that's like my happy place between seven and eight hours. So I would encourage you to do what makes you, it sounds so cliche, but do what brings you peace. That's a better saying rather than do what makes you happy. Do what brings you peace. So if that's yoga, go on YouTube and find, um, and I've been getting, there was a hot yoga studio I was going to in January. And I got an email, I've been getting emails from different yoga studios around my area that they're closing, which is like a big deal. I go to the cycling place that I love, I got an email saying that they're closing, and I was like, wow. So I'm a little bit worried because one of my forms of self-care is the gym, and I wonder if my gym, and I go to Planet Fitness, and the, I'm close friends with the manager, and the manager's like, they don't close Planet Fitness for anything. But I don't know. I think, I don't know. The way things are kind of going, they might close my gym, which would force me to do what I don't like to do, which is running outside and doing at-home workouts. But um, I would just encourage us all to do self-care and things that bring us peace And, you know, now one of the silver linings of this particular situation, and it's horrible that people have passed away because of uh, the coronavirus. And I, you know, my heart goes out to anyone that's been affected. But I think that we always, in times of darkness, we have to think about the silver lining. And I think the silver lining of this situation is that it will allow us to rest, stay well, and gain clarity about our particular goals. So um, this episode, I wanted to talk just a little bit about how you can revamp your diversity, equity, and inclusion workshops and trainings and modify them to sort of fit into an online format. So for myself and other diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals who conduct workshops and trainings, this has kind of thrown us into a whirlwind. And now we're left to wonder how are we going to um, modify our trainings, it's really difficult because particularly for DEI workshops, they are best done in person. You get that person-to-person interaction, so it's it's a lot more challenging to do it online, but there are some ways. So I'm going to talk a little bit about just my personal recommendations, and I'm also working on an article. I've interviewed... Um, uh, maybe 10 DEI professionals and practitioners that I, I'm uh, connected with. And they offered suggestions. So um, I won't have the article published by the time this episode goes out. However, my goal is to have the article published by Monday, March 16th, which is tomorrow. And I will update this episode's show notes and put the article link in the show notes. So if you're listening to this after March 16th, 2020, you will see the article in the show notes. So the first thing that I would recommend 
if you are now tasked with moving your DEI trainings online is to think about using Zoom. And there's so many online, there's Skype, there's Zoom, there's WebEx, there is Google Hangouts. I've used all of them. Not a huge fan of Skype, not a really huge fan of WebEx, even though I use WebEx for my work. Um, as a professor, I my students are able to use WebEx to, to um, live stream my course. Um, I'm kind of, WebEx is okay to me. I love Zoom. I think Zoom is super user-friendly. And in speaking with a couple DEI professionals, they've also said that they use Zoom and that's their platform of choice. But one thing that Zoom has that I've never used before is they have breakout rooms. So I guess if you have a large group of people, you can break them up into rooms and have them discussing things, I guess. And maybe you can reconvene as a larger group. I have to explore this. I've never used it. Um, so I'm interested to kind of see, learn a little bit more about that feature. I just love Zoom because you can record, uh, you can record the video conference and I just think that that's super helpful. So I would suggest Zoom. Um, also, you know, I, I do a lot of calls via Zoom just for organizations and groups that I'm part of. And Zoom, uh, when you're on the other end, you're not the one presenting information, that, that can get boring. And I would just zone out, especially if I'm doing a video conference where my video is not on. So one thing I would suggest is that you asking all the participants to turn their video on. When you are not, when your video is off, it's easy to zoom out. You could walk away, you could make yourself dinner. You're not gonna be as focused um, you could turn your mic off, but I would encourage you when you're doing a workshop, a DEI workshop or training or anything of that nature, I would encourage you to, um, to ask your uh, participants to turn their camera on. And I know as a participant, it's kind of annoying because sometimes you just want to listen in. But if you're doing a video conference, you could have just done a phone conference Um Rather than using, you know, doing a video conference. If you're doing a video conference, the purpose is to see the person. So that's one thing. Encur <clears throat> excuse me, encouraging attendees to uh, turn their video on. The next thing that I would encourage you to do is to um, ask your attendees and your participants questions. And what this does is it helps to keep things interesting um, as I've stated, I get, as we all, we all get bored really easily and my attention is going to dwindle if I'm not being engaged, if someone is just talking at me or to me. So I would encourage you to have questions embedded into your online workshop where you're inviting participants and attendees to engage with you. So asking a question and then waiting for them to respond in a chat. And if it's a lot of people who are participating, if it's under, if it's over 10 people, it's more challenging to monitor the chat. Hopefully, um, if it's possible, you can have someone monitor, mon monitoring, excuse me, monitoring the chat for you. And I've done that before where I did a webinar um, for a consulting 
firm and the webinar was on how to retain diverse talent and the um, the group of people it was an employee resource group that brought me in to do this webinar and they were monitoring the employee resource group organizers were monitoring the chat so they would interject or interrupt me if someone had a question about something that I discussed so this was really um, helpful to have someone monitoring the chat because there were maybe 200 people who were tuning in so I would um, if it's less than 10 people that you're doing a workshop for it's easier to monitor the chat yourself but I would um, include questions to keep your um, online conference or your webinar more interesting. Um, I would, I'm also interested to hear what you're doing currently. For those of you who are listening who are DEI professionals and practitioners, what else are you doing to sort of um, modify your in-person trainings and workshops to fit an online model? I would really be interested in, in hearing about what you are doing. And you can send an email to me at dirtydiversitypodcast at gmail.com. Also, I forgot to thank, I went on on a rant in the beginning. I forgot to thank you beautiful people for uh, listening and rating the podcast and listening in. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you come here every week to tune in and listen to me. It means a lot to me. Um, so the last thing that I would suggest that I thought would be super duper dope for your DEI workshops and trainings is to do um, virtual book clubs. So I would encourage you one way to keep a webinar, a diversity, equity and inclusion webinar interesting is to discuss a book. So I would encourage you to, and this is what I would do, is that I would uh, assign a if I was an in-house or an internal consultant, I would assign a particular book. Maybe it is White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, or maybe it's So You Want to Talk About Race, or maybe it is How to Be an Anti-Racist. And ask your, now that we all have a lot of free time and we're going to have a lot of free time on our hands for the next few months, people have more time to read, to read physical books, listen to audio books. I'm a huge fan of Audible. Um, If any representatives from Audible are listening, I would love a sponsorship because I love Audible and this is of course not sponsored, but I um, found that with my schedule getting busier, uh, reading was hard, more challenging, so I listened to a lot of books on Audible, and right now I'm listening to So You Want to Talk About Race, and I think that having your uh, DEI uh, attendees or the attendees receiving the DEI online workshop or training read a book and then discuss their thoughts, I think that would be a really, really effective way to conduct a workshop. And I would suggest as an organizer to have specific and guided questions that you want your participants to think about as they're reading or listening. So um, rather than just saying, read this and we'll discuss thoughts, have specific questions that you want them to answer. So what is the what is the author saying about white privilege in this? What do you what was your interpretation? So I've been I've been toying with the idea of having or turning my diversity dinner dialogues into 
book discussions. And I'll have to come up with a clever alliteration for that. Maybe, I don't know. I'll think about it because y'all know I love alliteration, dirty diversity, diversity dinner dialogue, anything with alliteration is my favorite. But I think it would be really cool because there's so many books out. And what I love is that many of the books on diversity, equity, and inclusion are written by Black authors. So I really love that, and I love to support the writing of Black authors. So um, that's what I would encourage you to do um, or test out if any of you are looking for really cool and innovative ways to revamp your DEI trainings. I would definitely do that. Um, So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I just, you know, we're going to get through this, y'all. We just got to, you know, stay positive, think positive, see the bright side of this horrible, horrible, horrible situation, which is that we now get time to gain more clarity. And I think that the higher power wants us to just slow down. And for someone like me, who's always on the go, this is a really reflective moment. And I just want us to recognize that we are witnessing history. Like we will remember the coronavirus for the rest of our lives. This is like a really pivotal moment in our lives. And for Generation Z, this is like huge. You know, this is going to be like their modern day depression So, I mean, this is really big, and I've just been thinking about some of the longer-term impacts that the coronavirus is going to leave on our world. I was just um, talking about how uh, one thing that I always do and that I'm learning is important is to kind of don't put off for tomorrow what you could do today. Uh, Before this whole um, COVID-19 outbreak, I bought things in bulk. So I buy wet wipes um, for sensitive skin in bulk. I buy... Clorox bleach wipes in bulk. And the fact that I did that had me feeling not in a panic when everyone was going out and freaking out because the Clorox bleach wipes were gone. I don't use hand sanitizer because I have really sensitive skin and, and my skin is dry, so it'll break my skin out. But I can't imagine if I was trying to find hand sanitizer and there was none. So one lesson that I learned is that it's always good to buy things in bulk. You never, ever, ever know what's going to happen. Um, what if there was, you know, and I don't live in an area where we get earthquakes, but if there was an earthquake or, you know, just something happened and you had to be home for an extended period of time, it's always good to have, um, you know, have, have things in bulk. So I saw someone's post that said, you know, we should have canned goods. I don't eat a lot of canned goods, but one thing I loved in college was oodles of noodles, ramen noodles. Um, So I'm going to actually, when I go to the store this week, I think I'm going to see if they have any of those left. I love those, especially when you're sick, but I don't know if they have any more at the store now. Um, But sorry, I went off on a tangent. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. And, um, you know, connect with me. Feel free to connect with me. Let's talk more on Instagram. My Instagram is in the show notes and any of the articles or resources I mentioned are also in the show notes. I'm thinking of recording a bonus episode this week since I have a little bit more time at home. Uh, So look out for that. And um, I will check you guys out later. Stay safe. Stay positive. Uh, We'll get through this, y'all. Love you guys. Bye.